Okay, well, grab a seat and make sure that you have um, your Bibles with you as well. And we're excited. The men are lively, which is a great thing because we didn't, some of us got more sleep than others this weekend, but it was a blessed time to be together. Thank you, ladies, for letting um, your men come and spend time with us and fellowship. And uh, make sure that you ask them, don't just ask them how was the treat, but be specific. Ask them what the Lord was showing them. Ask them, um, man, what they've taken away from it and what, what that means for their lives. So just want to encourage you to do that. Get uh, Talk with the family about what the Lord is doing in the hearts and the lives um, of the men. So just a few announcements. Um, tonight, we're not going to have corporate prayer. So with um, us, the men being gone all weekend long, we want to make sure that the guys have time, time to spend um, with their families. So we're going to trust, guys, that you'll be praying with your families tonight. And so, you, of course, there's still prayer, right? You're going to pray at home, but we're just not going to be meeting here at the church for prayer. So no prayer tonight. That's canceled. And then this week, we'll have our, our services as, as normal. Friday night, don't forget, we have our um, home fellowship in Pleasant Hills, where we're um, the Shashora Home Fellowship, we're going through the book of Joshua. So if you've never studied through the book of Joshua, the life of Joshua, what it means to walk in the Spirit-filled life, that's Friday night at 7 p.m. If you have questions, you can come see myself or Olivia. It's not going to be at um, our house this Friday, though. We're, uh, we're mixing it up a little bit, getting everybody on their toes. We're going to be meeting at our friends the Doyle's house, which is just in uh, Jefferson Hills. So if you know where the TJ High School is, you can literally throw a rock from their house and hit the TJ High School. Uh, it's five minutes down the road from where we are. But you're more than welcome to join. It's an interactive time to really um, dive into the Word of God together, together and study it. So that's Friday night at 7 o'clock. And then men, don't forget this Saturday morning we have Men's Fellowship. And we're going to be starting, we're pivoting. We were going through the book of Psalms. Um, and we are switching from that, and we're going to study the life of David. And there's a book that we're going to be used as we study through First um, and Second Samuel, and it's called The Making of a Man of God. We have, um, we ordered 40 of them. We gave, we had them at the men's retreat, so some of the guys were able to grab them there. If you weren't at the men's retreat and you want to get a copy of that, so you can join in with us on Saturday mornings. We'll have them downstairs. Um, they're in my car now, so come see me. I can make sure that I get you one. It's only 12 bucks if you, um, if, if that's an issue, just, we don't care, just take the book. Um, but we're gonna be studying through, um, each week a chapter together and then getting together and, um, having an interact, interactive discussion on what the Lord's showing us. So this is a beautiful thing. If you say, man, I have a commitment, um, I have to work one, one Saturday. I can't make it this Saturday because I have to watch my baby because Olivia's gone. It's, it's cool because you can still follow along and you can still go through the readings and you can study along, keep track with, with all the guys. So um, guys, that's 7.15 on Saturday morning. If you need a book, please come see myself. Um, ladies, the women's retreats this weekend, of course. So we'll be praying for that. Um, the men will be, and I hope you enjoy it. If you have questions, you can see Jan or Sarah or Cindy downstairs. But that starts Friday evening as well. Pray for me that I can find an outfit that Britt matches in so my wife doesn't get mad and embarrassed at me when she gets back here on Sunday. Um, but last couple, uh, last couple announcements. If you didn't see down here in the front corner um, of the fellowship hall, there's a stack of boxes. It's, it's a beautiful, um, looks like a tree down there. It's our Operation Christmas Child. And it's weird to say, you're like, you're like Hobby Lobby and Walmart talking about Christmas already. And we're not even to Thanksgiving. Um, well, just because of the logistics of it, we want to make sure that we have time to get the boxes together so we can ship them to the center so they can ship them across the world. And it's a way to bless and, and send the gospel and to the other, um, literally around the world. So um, take a box downstairs. It has some instructions down there. You can see exactly what to do. And then we just have to bring them back by November 13th, I'm told. You can see Kelly Pizzuti right there. Kelly, can you raise your hand if you have questions? She'll get you hooked up if you have any questions about that. And then don't forget, Community Day is October 22nd. We had to move that. And then last but not least, on the 23rd, if you serve at CCSP, we're going to have a quick uh, just servants meeting of what is our heart and um, how do we serve here. So we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, Aaron asked if we can have, um, we're going to have a scripture reading. So our friend John Paul, can you bring your Bible up and do a scripture I'm teasing him. He left his Bible at the men's study. Totally a joke. And he's... 
<laughs> He's a jokester, so we had to we had to take an opportunity to get him back. Um, so Tim's gonna come up and he's gonna introduce Aaron. Oh, also, if you're going to the women's retreat, right after the service, five minutes, Jan's gonna have a meeting with you all. Uh, just uh, be right here. And um, you know what we're doing this year for Operation Christmas Child. You're actually going to take the boxes home and bring them back just so you make sure uh, you know that filled up, of course. Okay, why did I get so choked up about introducing Aaron? Well, listen, who is Aaron Sabio? He's an assistant pastor at Calvary Chapel Vista near San Diego. And uh, this is sort of a funny story. We used to go to Calvary Chapel Pittsburgh. And uh, Jan and I uh, worked with the youth over there, and one day in came a letter, handwritten, and I think it was probably ripped open and half open. It was just funny. And uh, inside of it was a <clears throat> little postcard that out at the Bible College, the Calvary Chapel Bible College in Murrieta, California, they were starting a kids' discipleship, teen discipleship program. Uh, and... Uh, I actually took it over to Olivia. I think this was probably 2014, 2015. They'll trust me. They'll correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> anyway, Olivia actually got on a plane, just a young kid, and flew to California uh, without us and went to uh, this five weeks discipleship program uh, in California. And then what would the next year, my daughter Olivia and my son Beck went to On the Edge in California. And then the next year, uh, my daughter Olivia, my son Beck, and my son Kai went out to On the Edge in uh, California and spent those five weeks. And then they started to sort of, you know, do some things in leadership, and they'd go six weeks, so they'd have to go a week early. And then I think we skipped one year. I mean, no, they didn't skip. Our kids went again one year, but uh, that year, Cade didn't go, but <laughs> he eventually went, our fourth child, Cade, he eventually went to On the Edge, and then, I'm not sure if this is coincidence or not, uh, they canceled On the Edge the week after, or the year after that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Cade busted him. Cade busted him. No, that's not true, and here's why. Uh, so what I'm saying is Aaron and his staff poured into our kids for <laughs> how many years? Six years, five years, right. Uh, so it was really awesome. And uh, actually, uh, Cade was sort of thinking, our youngest, after he, uh, during the, his senior year, what am I going to do? I don't know what I want to do in college. I don't know what I want to work. And uh, just one night, we were at, at our house, and I said, <laughs> I said, well, how about if I ask Aaron Sabio if you could come and intern at his church? And you ever had a child who's worried about what they're going to do next? Raise your hand. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you could just see the weight just fall off him. You mean you'd call him? And I just said, of course I'd call him. And Aaron, I actually texted him. I mean, and he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and so now, uh, just a couple weeks ago, um, Beck, uh, my son Beck and I and Cade drove his car out to San Diego. And uh, he, our son is interning. Uh, and Aaron's sort of his leader with some other guys as well. And so that's full circle, man. Now, <clears throat> you know that we do a narrow way here in the summertime with a teen discipleship program. Well, it's because of what happened in California. And so uh, he's been a real blessing to our family and just poured into our kids. And we've known him and loved him for, for all that long. Here's one last story. So last week, uh, month when we took Kate out there uh, uh, to drop him off and get him settled uh, in Vista, we actually had uh, lunch with Aaron's pastor, a uh, pastor named Rob Salvato. And uh, one of the things, Aaron doesn't know I'm going to say this, but one of the things uh, we sort of laughed about, but not really laughed about, is uh, Rob said, Aaron Sabio is the Pied Piper of youth. And I think he's right. But here's what's cool about it. You know, when, <laughs> when Jesus says he's going to make you fishers of men, okay, that's Aaron. Okay? So Aaron Sabia. Well, good morning. I'm so blessed to be here with you guys. 
We had a wonderful time at our men's conference. All the men, raise your hand if you were there. Love you guys. You guys are my bros. Love you guys. I think you said it. It said there's nothing better than serving Jesus than with the people you love, you know? And I, I, the Lord has just over the years united our hearts, um, the, the Green family, the Sabio family, the On the Edge Narrow Way, and it's been amazing to see what the Lord has done, not because we're special, but because he is so faithful and he's so good. Amen? Amen. Uh, this morning, I'm going to be sharing uh, the word, so privileged to do so, by the way, in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. So let's get out our Bibles or our phone Bibles and turn to Proverbs 18, verse 10. And if you flip there and get there, let's all stand together as we revere God's word together and just read this verse with one another. Proverbs 18, 10. The word of God says in Proverbs 18, verse 10, I'm reading from the New King James Version. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. A word of prayer. Father, we ask that you would disciple us according to your word, by your spirit, make us more and more like Jesus. I pray, Father, this morning, would you just take a regular Sunday and make it sanctified and beautiful? May we encounter your heart and your son would we see you for who you are? And Lord, as we respond to your word, give us the faith and strength and obedience to walk out what you're putting on our hearts. For your glory, for your kingdom's cause, we pray this in your name, Jesus Christ. We all said? Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Well, I recently got married about a year and a half ago, and it's been my dream since I was little to be married and to have a family. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of five boys in my family, and everybody, I'm, I'm the second oldest, and everyone was getting married and having children before me. And so I wrestled with the Lord. Lord, I felt like I'm the most faithful Sabio boy. <laughs> and how come you're blessing every single one of my brothers and I'm still here just single, you know, single waiting for a Pringle, right? That's what they used to say. And so I went to Bible college, right? And everyone calls it Calvary Chapel Bridal College in Marietta. And, uh, you know, every semester you just kind of cast the lots. All right, Lord, if she's supposed to be here and I'm supposed to meet her, then ooh, right? But uh, I went there one semester, no. Second semester, no. Third semester, no. Fourth semester, I'm like, all right, I'm about to graduate. Lord, come on, you can do it. No. So what do I do? I intern at the Bible college, give them another shot, you know? All right, Lord, let's redo this again, okay? I interned for a, a year and then another year and another year and all the while overseeing the On the Edge Ministries and teaching Bible college classes. And I didn't meet my wife in the 10 years that I was there. Well, the Lord moves me to Calvary Vista. I get a phone call. Hey, would you consider taking over our youth ministry? And I said, no way. I love what the Lord is doing at On the Edge and at the Bible College. And I told my mentor, my pastor at the time, Rod Thompson, and he said, Aaron, you have to pray about all things. And I'm like, you don't want me here anymore? Like, I felt like this is where I'm supposed to be at. And he's like, well, it's not that I don't want you here. I think that you're called here, but also you're called first and foremost to follow the Lord. I'm like, oh, Okay. So as I pray and as I seek the Lord, the Lord would just put on my heart, just go for the interview. Okay, go for the interview. All right, go to the second interview, okay? Go to the second interview and meet the elders, meet the deacons, meet the people, and the Lord would just open up the doors. And I found myself at Calvary Chapel Vista, and I oversee the student ministries. It was just first, Aaron, you're in charge of the high school. Then it became, Aaron, you're in charge of the high school and the middle school. And then it became, Aaron, you're in charge of the high school, the middle school, the internship program, and now the young adults program. And so I help oversee as the assistant pastor all of the student ministries, and part of the student ministries is, is uh, running these camps, these summer camps. And so I love summer camps, and uh, I host this summer camp, and uh, you know, you're going to go there to serve the Lord, you're single-minded, like focused, I just want to disciple these students. Well, this summer camp was a special summer camp because it was a summer camp that I would meet my future wife, right? So I'm hosting this summer camp in the mountains. I'm wearing my short shorts because I just got done playing volleyball. I'm all sweaty. And then in comes this other counselor coming from a church in Temecula called Reliance Church, which was only like 15 minutes away from where I grew up. 
And this woman, Ellen, walks through the door, and she catches my eye. And I go up to her, and I say, can I have my eye back? No, I don't know. No, no, no. I, uh, I, I am, you know, whoo. This girl, she's this woman, right? This, she's wonderful. And so just like all single men, we do some investigation, right? I try to be sly and try to go and see if there's any ring on her finger, right? And uh, precious Ellen, she's wearing all the, these rings and all the different things. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, she's too pretty to be single anyways. So I just give up hope. And uh, time passes, and she ends up, this is God's sovereignty, she ends up in a small group with my brother and, sorry, my sister-in-law, my older brother's wife, Brittany. And Brittany one day goes, Aaron, I have the perfect girl for you. And this piques my interest because Brittany's not really that girl to kind of just like throw me out there, right, or throw anybody at us because she loves us. And so she sends me her Instagram um, profile. I'm like, I know this girl, but she's married. And Brittany goes, no, she's not married at all. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And so months go by, and I'm praying, and I'm thinking, and I'm like, okay, this could be the Lord. This, I don't know. And so what do I do? I message her on Instagram, and um, I say, I hope this is not too forward, but I'd like to get to know you and take you out for a cup of coffee. And then you know how it says red, right? So she reads the message. It's open. It's red. And then the dots, the dot, dot, dot. And I'm like looking at my phone, dot, dot, dot. And then the dots go away. And I'm like, that's not good, right? And then the dots come again. I'm like, oh, she's typing. This, it literally felt like three hours. It was probably 30 minutes. But she goes, I hope this isn't too forward. Here's my number. And so I'm like, oh, all right. Okay, so I, uh, we call each other. I uh, say, this is Aaron. I'd love to get to know you. So we go out to uh, uh, get some coffee. And the rest is history. We end up getting engaged at our one year of being together um, as boyfriend and girlfriend. And then we get married. And it's always been a desire for us to uh, have kids. And uh, one of our things that we love to do is just kind of brainstorm different names. And I bring this up because this is the only time Solomon in all of his Proverbs describes the name of God. And he says that the name of God is a strong refuge. Uh, the righteous run to it and are safe. And so we like brainstorming names, right? And there's certain names that think that, you know, trigger the memory of some other people. I'm like, we're not naming them that. You know, we're not naming our child this or that or this or that. And um, if you think about us, and I just share this with all vulnerability, if you think about us, pray for us. Uh, we actually just miscarried about two and a half months ago. And so... Um, but by faith, knowing that God is good and has put these good desires in our hearts, we're still praying about different baby names, knowing that God, you know, he will, he will, because he's good, answer that prayer. And he, I, sorry, this is a side note, but maybe this is, this is ministering to somebody. Um, I was talking to a brother at the men's retreat who's kind of going through the same thing, and um, he encouraged me to just look back at my prayers and that reminded me of a prayer that my wife and I would pray for our baby when we found out that we were pregnant. And uh, one of our prayers in our little baby journal that we would write in our prayers um, for our baby, it was that, um, it's beautiful, I'm gonna get emotional. We prayed that the Lord would keep our baby unspotted from the world. And to the most holy and um, beautiful extent, the Lord answered that prayer. And it might not have been the way or my wife and I would have wanted the Lord to answer that prayer, but we're learning that his way is better. And even when we don't understand it, he is faithful. And so we're still brainstorming baby names and um, we're thinking about our names and the Lord's name and how he's so good. And I, I'm so thankful for my name. My name is Aaron Andrew Amarin Sabio. It's a long Filipino name, Aaron Andrew Amarin Sabio. And uh, my parents were really strategic in picking out our names. They prayed over the names and they wanted our names to mean something like we see in the scriptures, you know? And so Aaron means messenger of light. Andrew, this really fits me, it means strong and manly. Amarin um, is a Filipino kind of uh, last name. It means from love, uh, Amorin, uh, from love. And Sabio means wise or wisdom. And so my name together is the messenger of light who's strong and manly from love and wisdom. So I love my name until you see the uh, initials, A-A-A-S. And I'm like, you guys don't think about that. You know what I mean? 
But speaking about the Lord's name, we're going to do a deep dive into the only time Solomon describes the name of God in all of his recorded Proverbs. And the goal for us today is to honor Jesus by learning to better run to him as our strong tower. We're going to see in our study this morning that the name of the Lord it culminates in the person of Jesus. And so we're going to learn today to better run to him, and we're going to honor Jesus by better learning to run to him as our strong tower. To help us in our outline, I'm going to talk about three different things. Number one, his reputation, what's in his name. Number two, our refuge, because his name is a strong tower. And I want to describe our refuge, I describe our strong tower through the lens of Jesus, who is our strong tower. And then I'm going to challenge us with our number three, our responsibility to run. Again, the goal is to honor Jesus by better learning to run to him as our strong tower. So number one, if you're taking notes, let's talk about his reputation. What's in his name? Solomon writes, the name of the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The reputation of God is found in his very name. In fact, the, 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 the word name here in the Hebrew text actually means reputation. So his name is his reputation. But look at the name of the Lord that is described here in Proverbs 18, verse 10. It's capital L-O-R-D. And just through, you know, Bible study, you know when you see the capital L-O-R-D in all capitals, it's not speaking about a title, but his very name. It's not just what he does, but actually who he is. And so you can say it this way, what he does flows from who he is. So capital L-O-R-D is uh, the name of God, the most intimate name of God, the covenant-making or promise-making and promise-keeping uh, uh, title of God that he gives or name of God that he gives to Moses. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 3 where we first find this name displayed or given to a man. Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 to 15. Exodus 3, 13 to 15. And we'll see here God introduce himself to Moses as he's called into the ministry. As we look at his name, I hope to encourage you um, with the fact that he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So Exodus 3, 13 to 15, follow along as I read. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, capital L-O-R-D, so that's the I am who I am, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. So the I am who I am, as God introduces himself to Moses, is translated as Yahweh. So we'll see that as the L-O-R-D in the Old Testament. And the I am who I am, what does that mean? Well, it means I am whatever my people need me to be. I love that. It's, I think that's in the um, uh, amplified version. The I am who I am is translated, I am whatever my people need me to be. And I can take so much comfort. We can take so much comfort that God will always be true to his name. He will forever be the I am whatever my people need me to be. And this is where we find Jesus, because this is where he got into trouble. Jesus is the Old Testament Yahweh come in human flesh. Right? When Jesus comes onto the scene, he's introducing himself as the I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door, right? He, so he's claiming deity. He's claiming to be the Old Testament God who met Moses in the burning bush. And so this is why the religious leaders wanted to stone Jesus, because according to him, well, in their, their mind, he was blaspheming. He was making himself God. But we see that by his death, burial, and resurrection, his resurrection claims all that he claimed to be true, so we can say that Jesus is the capital L-O-R-D, come in human flesh. So we can reread that verse saying, not just the name of the Lord, but Jesus is a strong tower. The righteous run to him and are safe. 
Jesus is our strong tower. This is his reputation and this is his name. So what does it look like for the righteous to run to Jesus, to run to his reputation, who he is? What will we encounter when we meet him? So number two, we want to describe our refuge, our strong tower, Jesus. Now, it's so cool. We're in the phase of life, Ellen and I, we are house shopping. So we're on Zillow, we're on Redfin, we're trying to find some homes for us to start a family. And we've been going on these home tours. And you can pray for us in this, that the Lord would provide, because the housing in Southern California is crazy, right? So I'm looking at these beautiful houses, driving by, I'm like, ah, oh, if only, right? And if, whatever the Lord wants, right? But I, we're, we're looking around and we're shopping around and uh, we go on these house tours and first impressions are important. And even though things can be cosmetically fixed, Ellen is always, oh, I don't like the color of the door. Uh, okay, okay, we can paint that. And I'm a little bit picky. I don't like how narrow the hallway is. Or I wish the rooms weren't situated like that. And then how come there's tile here and carpet in the restroom? It just doesn't make sense. So we're looking at these interesting homes and um, we're, we're touring this. I hope in this section to give you a tour of Jesus, our strong tower using his titles of who he claims to be as the I am. So number one, in describing our strong tower, Jesus is our strong tower, the righteous run to him and are safe. First, I want to point out, as we describe our strong tower, that strong tower implies conflict. Okay, you don't need a strong tower if there's safety and peace all the time, but the very fact that there is a strong tower, that Jesus is our strong tower, implies conflict. Now, when Solomon was writing this proverb in, in his mindset, towers were built in the cities, and towers were also built on the walls of the cities. They were built high and strong and well-fortified. They were used for armories. Uh, for protection, and often watchmen would be posted on these towers to easily spot the oncoming attacks from enemies. And these towers were also a place of refuge and rest and reward, for many would store their valuables within the towers that were built in the midst of the city. So towers were something that Solomon had built, that he had seen in different um, places. So he's describing the culmination of Jesus as our strong tower. Towers were, were, were built within to be a place of refuge, rest, and reward. And, and with the understanding that Jesus is our strong tower, I'm reminded that the Christian life is not a playground, but a battleground. We talked about this in our men's retreat. The very fact that Jesus, the culmination of the name of the Lord, is our strong tower implies that we are going to enter into some warfare. That Jesus is our strong tower because we need safety, protection, and refuge. Paul, Pastor Paul, explains it in this way. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So there's a real enemy, and again, the Christian life is not a playground, but a battleground. And I'm glad that in the midst of this spiritual battle that we wage until the gates of heaven, we have a resurrected commander-in-chief, amen, who always leads his people in victory. We have Jesus, our strong tower. And I love the encouragement in Exodus 14, 14, Exodus 14, 14, the word says, the Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Wow, Jesus will fight for us, and we will hold our peace. And, and the fact that Jesus is our strong tower, it has so many beautiful implications, but one of them is, is that Jesus is the strong tower so that we don't have to be. I, I've been running to this verse, especially as we're, we're healing from our miscarriage, because I'm reminded that I, I, can't, I can't bring a baby to full term. I can't determine that. There's so many things that are out of my control. But Jesus is our strong tower, so I don't have to be strong. In fact, I can embrace my weaknesses. I can embrace my limitations. And I think that might be a word for us today, that Jesus is your strong tower so that you don't have to be. And you don't have to have that pressure on you to perform or to, uh, to be a certain way. Jesus is your strong tower. He is your strength so that you don't have to be. 
So how else might Jesus be our strong tower and our refuge? Let's take a tour of Jesus as our strong tower. Well, Jesus says in John chapter 10 that Jesus is the door. So we can see that as we view Jesus as this strong tower, that he is the door because he claims, I am the door. But this door is different from other doors that we're used to being seen. This door of the tower has a low-hanging and narrow entrance door, so low, so narrow, that the stiff neck and proud of heart cannot come in without bowing their heads and hearts in humility. So we come to Jesus as our strong tower, but we want to enter into the reward of the tower, but we see it's a low-hanging door. It's so low and so narrow that the proud in heart, the people who think they can do it, they can't enter in without first having to bow their heads and come in humility. And it's so narrow that it's not wide enough for two by two, which means you can't come on other people's righteousness. You can't come on other people's spirituality. You have to make the decision to enter in, to bow your head in humility, to enter in into the tower. You'll look at the tower in different ways. There's no other door. There's windows, but the, the tower is so sleek and so tall that you can't scale up the side to break into the window to get into the tower. There's no magic password. You can't impress the door to open it. You can't push the door open on your own strength. It only is the key of humility by bowing your heart and head in this low hanging and narrow door to enter in into the treasures that wait. Jesus is the door. In order to access the resources that are in him, and this is where many people get it wrong, you have to come in humility. Many of us will come to Jesus, our strong tower, Lord, we need you. But we're not needing you enough to just give up and surrender and humble ourselves and to bow down and enter in. We come so close, but we're so far from the beauty that is inside the tower. So continuing to take a tour of this tower, you'll notice that above this door, this low-hanging door, no entrance, stands a wooden cross. Now, this is the old rugged cross. And only the righteous, this says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. So in order to get through the door, you have to go underneath the cross. And I'm so thankful that as I see and gaze upon the cross that is before me, it's the old rugged cross of Jesus, the exact one that took all of our unrighteousness upon him so that we can be the righteousness of God. The only way to access this low-hanging door is by the cross. We have to humble ourselves, come underneath, and acknowledge that he's the only way. He's the only one to give me righteousness, perfect righteousness, and standing before a holy God. And I have to confess that. That is the key to entering into this tower. So yeah, it's a low-hanging door, it's a narrow entrance, but there's a cross there too, where we have to decide, am I gonna have faith in the finished work of Jesus? You walk in to this tower, and it's not dingy and dirty like we see some in medieval castles these days, but we'll find that this tower is well lit and it's full of life. Why? Because Jesus is the light of the world, John chapter 8, and the, and the resurrection and the life in John chapter 11. So we enter into this grand view of this tower. It's well lit, kind of like the sanctuary, actually. It's well lit. It's full of life. And as we humbly bow ourselves unto Jesus, acknowledging the cross and walk inside, we'll find that this tower is warm. It's full of light and has the ability, the spiritual ability to heal. This tower has a revealing and healing light. And I love the fact that Jesus is our strong tower because Jesus is our revealer and our healer. I love this saying in counseling, and we, we counsel a lot, and, and you guys counsel a lot too, but we use the phrase, Jesus reveals to heal. Right? Jesus reveals to heal. And as we come into this well-lit tower, we see that he is revealing the darkness and the sin and the baggage that we so bring into this tower. And it's not something to be ashamed of. It's something that God is revealing so that he can bring the healing and just a word for us, maturing believers and disciples of Christ. 
that as we come to him, don't be surprised that his light is shining on the darkness of our own hearts. The enemy will say, run and hide and blame and shame and cover up like Adam and Eve. But this warm and healing, revealing light says, I see you and I love you. And he doesn't just expose, right, to say, oh, look at this guy, right? No, he exposes so that, hey, I want to work on that. And I want to bring healing to that. And I want to bring beauty from ashes with that. And I love the fact that the Lord, oh man, he is our great redeemer, our great repurposer. I was, I was sharing, I was, being, I was able to share my, part of my testimony last night to the guys. And I was, as I was going to bed, I was just thanking the Lord. Lord, thank you that you've used my sin, my baggage, my weaknesses as a platform to, to, for strength and encouragement for other people. And I'm not, I'm not special that he only does that for me. No, God is doing that to you. That there is trials and failures and brokenness represented in this room, but the Lord is so good at repurposing and redeeming those things that now your mess is now a message to the world. I've heard it said that people can admire your strengths, but they identify with your weaknesses. And I think that's so cool that the Lord is able to take any and all baggage and repurpose them for something beautiful. It's a gift now to the world. So Jesus reveals to heal. Again, it's not to shame, but it is to heal. It is to bring that restoration from the inside out. So we enter into the door. We're continuing on our tour. It's well lit. It's full of life. We're being healed. We, as we walk into the tower, we see that it's well stocked. It's well stocked. This tower is well stocked. As we receive the healing from the things revealed by Jesus, we then find the tower is well stocked with everything that we need. Why? Because Jesus is the bread of life, according to John chapter 6, which means he's our sustenance. And he's our true vine, according to John chapter 15, our place of nourishment. And as we sit down at the long table within the tower, we see that there's a seat with our names on it. And I love the fact that there's always a seat at the Lord's table for us. And not only is there a long table and it's well stocked, there's a feast flowing because Jesus is the bread of life and he's the true vine. We see that our names are written on our little postcard, little placard thing. And it's with red ink. But upon a further investigation, we see it's not red ink. It's actually his blood. Our names written in his blood gives us a seat at his table. And just to let you know, when we come to the table of God, it's not a potluck. He provides everything we need. All we bring is our baggage, <laughs> our insecurities, our shame. It, we, it's well stocked, everything we need. It's not like I have to bring all these different things. No, you just come as you are and you leave better. This bread of life, Jesus, his, he being the true vine, we see that as we meet with him, as we abide in him, we find that he is everything our souls have longed for. The emptiness we once felt outside of the tower is now filled in him. We find that as we meet with Jesus, as we abide with him, we find spiritual health and vitality. And the table is set, our plates are full, but they're not physical food, but it's spiritual food. It's his promises. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, Paul writes about God's promises, the things that we feed on and feast on. These are all accessible to us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For some, no, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. What does that mean? All the promises of God that we see in Scripture, they're fulfilled in Jesus. They're easily accessible to us. They're given to us. And I love what Warren Wearsby has said about this. And we've been holding on to this, um, this uh, little quote in this season of healing, that God's people don't live off of explanations, but on promises. God's people don't live off of explanations, but on promises. It's a tough, but a beautiful saying. There's so many things within me that wants to understand our situation. Like, why, God? Why? And I know I'm not the only one. We will question sometimes God's goodness, and that's okay. We can bring our questions to him. But I'm reminded by the fact that he gives us a peace that surpasses understanding, which means I'm not going to get peace from understanding. 
as much as I want to. It's a peace that surpasses understanding. Some things we won't get until we see Jesus face to face. And I know that when we see him face to face, everything will make sense. It's the faith and the strength of a disciple's health to say, Lord, even if I don't understand, I'll trust in you. Because I don't live off of explanations, I live off your promises. And you promise that you're working all things for our good and his glory. And that he is the good father who takes care of his people. So all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. And then jot down this verse, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, speaking about this banquet table, how we feast off of God's promises. Pastor Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 2 and 3, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us some things, no, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. I love that. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Hey, are we looking for life? Are we looking for godliness? Are we looking for what? All things are given to us that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. It's by knowing Jesus who called us by glory and virtue that we understand this life and, this, and the way to the godliness. A lot of the men, I love this, we were asking deep questions within our hearts. How can we better lead our families? How can we best love our spouses and our children? And I love having grown men ask those questions because I'm just like feeding off of the golden nuggets and writing these things down. And I love that as we just come to Jesus, he teaches us, he gives us wisdom, he gives us everything that we need for life and godliness through knowing him. And we don't have time to get there, but jot down Colossians chapter three, verses one through four, Colossians three, one through four. Because as we feast off of him, Jesus, as we abide in him, we also find our identity. Paul says that our life is hidden with Christ in God. So it's not that I have to find myself or make myself or, you know, make me something. It's as I pursue Christ, as I pursue God, he tells me who I am. And his light sh shines on my heart and says, this is what you're called to. And so this is really good because uh, in the student ministries, everyone's having an identity crisis, right? Am I a jock? Am I a nerd? Am I, well, you know, fill in the blank. And I say, you, first of all, you're made in the image of God. And it, I know what they want to get. They, they want to know the specific will of God. You know, the top three questions I get in youth ministry, what is the will of God for my life? Who am I supposed to marry? What's for lunch? You know, those are three, you know, so, you know, it, all those different things, but I get the heart behind it. You know, what am I supposed to do? It's as you, hey, it's as you pursue God, as you pursue Jesus, he tells you who you are. My life is hidden with Christ and God. As I seek him, I find out who I am. But also for us as disciples and maturing believers, in him we also find our spiritual gifts. And I love this too because he's the good gift giver. And so maybe you're trying to figure out where you plug into the church and how you're supposed to be serving and how you can be most effective for the kingdom of God. And you're looking at it like, I don't have those gifts. I don't have all those different things. Well, hey, as you meet with the Lord, the Father, the good gift giver, he gives you those gifts. And everyone has at least one. And we like the saying at Calvary Vista, everyone is a 10 somewhere. Everyone is a 10 somewhere, right? And so I might not have the gift of teaching or leading, but I have the gift of hospitality. I have the gift of giving. And if you have the gift of giving, I'll give you my Venmo later. I'm just kidding. <laughs> everyone is a 10 somewhere. And we're also, you know, and not to give an excuse that, well, I'm not a good teacher, so I'm never going to learn how to teach. I've learned this, that whatever is not a spiritual gift is an opportunity for a spiritual discipline. Okay? So whatever is not a spiritual gift is an opportunity for a spiritual discipline. So, for example, I don't have the gift of mercy. That doesn't mean I don't have to practice and cultivate that gift of mercy. Right? My wife is really good. She is gifted with the gift of mercy. We define the gift of mercy as sitting with someone in their sadness and just being with them. I'm, well, this is wrong, that's wrong, this is wrong. This is what you need to do. Hurry up and go. Jesus is coming back. You know, not really merciful, though it is true, right? Not really merciful, not what that person needs. And so I'm so keenly aware of my lack of gifting in that area 
So I need to practice, I need to discipline myself to exercise that because Christ calls me to be merciful. Christ calls me to be hospitable. Christ calls me to be giving. It might not be my, nat my natural go-to and my spiritual gift, but it's an opportunity for a spiritual discipline. And so we're all being well-rounded into the image of Christ. But everyone's a 10 somewhere. And as you meet with him, as you sit down, as you abide with him in this tower and feeding off his promises, he's going to gift you with the things that you need to be gifted with for that specific season. And as we were looking at the book of Nehemiah with the men's conference, we also see, too, that God is never really looking for giftedness. He's looking for faithfulness. That he's willing to use anybody and everybody who says, Lord, here I am. Take me, use me, send me. I can, you know, do whatever you want. And God is never looking for giftedness. He's looking for faithfulness. And what we've seen is that he's able to gift the faithful. So as we meet with Jesus, man, and his heart that is given to us, we see also that these promises are not for us to be gluttonous, not to be spiritual pew potatoes, but to take all this goodness that we've received and it should form in us a desire to share that with others. Now, honest confession, I love the show Gilmore Girls. <laughs> I, I don't know why, I just do. I, when my, it's funny, we have five boys in the family, right, and the second oldest. But my mom, we all had a whole bunch of laundry, so we had laundry day. And as laundry day was being, um, you know, accomplished, Gilmore Girls would be on. We had the DVDs back in the day. And so we would watch Gilmore Girls over and over and over again. So I love driving around over here because it kind of looks like Stars Hollow. I'm like, oh, there's Luke's Diner, right? Okay, anyways. Um, where was I going? Oh, yes. I... Whenever someone's like, what, what's to watch on Netflix? I'm like, Gilmore Girls, you know? And I wouldn't advise that to everybody. There's some, you know, it's of the world, but okay, that's just honest confession. Gilmore Girls, right? So I, lo I love sharing that gift of Rory and Lorelai and Luke and Sukiya, right? But same thing spiritually. When we really truly meet with him, this is too good to hold back. I need to share I think the temptation is, I think from the enemy and the flesh, if we're being honest, that this, man, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm just going to stay here for forever. And it's not designed for that. It's designed that we would feed ourselves and be with him to be trained, transformed and changed, but into the image of Christ. And the image of Christ in his heart is always others. He died for the whole world. And there's a whole community that should know that we've tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord. And I truly believe God's word that the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. I'm challenged in, in Southern California. We live in a lot of comfort. Let's go to the beach with all the different things. You know what I mean? So we, we all have our Western comforts that sometimes we're afraid to venture out. But shouldn't the gospel tra transform our hearts so much that we can't help but speak the name of Jesus? and shine that light. Can I encourage you too that, yeah, if you've grown up here in the church or around church settings, yeah, it's good to receive, but there's also a season then to give. And I think Christian maturity takes the next step in, in, in saying, not what can I get from Pastor Tim, but how can I help Pastor Tim, right? And imagine if everything, <laughs> he's all clapping. And, and imagine if this whole community was transformed asking that question, how can I be about the gospel in here in, in South Pittsburgh? Man, this, whew, Revival. But as we meet with him, our hearts are transformed. The temptation is just to stay and be comfortable. No, but this is too good to hold back. We need to share the gospel. We need to go back out. Sometimes leaving the strong tower is scary. There's spiritual warfare. There's all the different things in opposition. But we're comforted as we exit the strong tower that we always know the way to the strong tower because Jesus is the good shepherd always leading us, and he is the way, the truth, and the life, according to John chapter 14. So not only is Jesus our strong tower, he is the way to himself. Sometimes I get lost, like, Lord, what am I doing? I feel so busy, you know? I, I'm guilty of the, the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, that I'm doing a lot of good things, and the Lord's like, you've left your first love. And I'm like, ah, okay, I got to come back home, you know, to intimacy and abiding with Jesus, and let that be the overflow of those good works. But I'm so thankful that he is my good shepherd, which by implication means I'm a sheep. And I'm okay. I'm okay in identifying as a sheep. I know my limitations. I know my weaknesses. Bah! You know what I mean? That's me. But where I see a lot of people trip up is that they want to come to the shepherd and be the shepherd. 
No. He is the good shepherd. Even if you're in leadership, you're, you know, a shepherd over, you're an under-shepherd of the shepherd, which is a shepherd sheep. So that's kind of a cool thought. But Jesus is our strong tower. He's the way to himself as we leave the strong tower to bring other people to point to the people of the narrow way that is the way to the tower. We see Jesus leading us and leading him and leading other people. And I love the fact that he is the way, the truth, and the life. This is so assuring that we don't have to second guess if Jesus is the way. No, Jesus validated all his claims in his resurrection. So I can take his word seriously. You can take his word seriously. That if God says it, if he makes you a promise, if he makes a promise, he's going to keep it. He is faithful and he cannot deny himself. So we've toured the tower. We've described our tower, Jesus. But what's our application? What's our takeaway? What's our responsibility? Number three, our responsibility to run. Notice the verbiage used here by Solomon, the name of the Lord. So Jesus is our strong tower. The righteous walk? No. The righteous run to him and are safe. Brothers and sisters, we need to run to our Jesus. I love the encouragement in Hebrews 4, 15 to 16. Hebrews 4, 15 to 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but he was at all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in me. The, the urgency in the author of Hebrews says, enter boldly, let's bull rush the gates to enter into God's presence, knock down the doors and ask for grace and mercy at the throne room of grace, knowing that full will by faith we will receive everything that we need. I confess, I don't often, my first, in my flesh, my first response to trial and difficulty is not to run to the Lord, but to run to problem solving in my own wisdom. And I waste time doing it. And the Lord so lovingly gives me patience to come to my senses and come back home. But brothers and sisters, let's preach to our souls. I need to run to God's presence. I need to run to this strong tower. And as I run to the strong tower, notice the righteous run to it, to him and are safe. We're, we find refuge and safety, even from our own selves and our own vain wisdom as we run to Jesus. To be safe is to be high and to be exalted and elevated. That's the, what the word in Hebrew means. The righteous run to it and are exalted. And I love the fact that, you know, the Proverbs also say, before honor is humility. So it validates everything we're saying about Jesus, the strong tower, that in order to be elevated, to be safe, I need to humble myself and enter again into that low-hanging door, that narrow entrance. What would it look like? What does it mean for you to run to Jesus as your strong tower? I think it is to say what David says in Psalm 18, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 18, 1 and 2. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. What does it look like for Jesus to be your strong tower, for you to run to him? It's claiming the Lord is my strength. He's my vitality. He's my protection. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my stability. He's the one that I will trust. He is my shield. He is the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold. I love also in Psalm 61, 3 and 4, what does it mean to run to the tower? What does a person say who has run to the tower of Jesus? They would say, for you have been a shelter for me. Psalm 61, 3 and 4. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. Today, do we see people not running to Jesus, the strong tower? I think so. We can see a lot of people running to different places that are claiming to be strong towers, but they end up being strongholds. What might those things be? Drugs, alcohol, maybe even work, prodigal living, running to your own wisdom, living in emptiness, temporal satisfaction, limited comfort. All these things we're tempted to run to before running to the tower. 
And again, like I said, they, they, they promise to be a strong tower, safe refuge, but they become strongholds. And would the Lord deliver us from any strongholds that we've been abiding in in the name of Jesus right now, that we would know the way home to Jesus, our strong tower. Today, we can ask ourselves, who and what are we running to? And really, if we can boil it down, we can ask Jesus, help me to run to you always. Always and only. Knowing that he is everything that we need. I do find it interesting in closing that Solomon says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to and are safe. And he didn't say, the name of the Lord is my strong tower. I run to it and are safe. The wisest man. And I think that speaks depths because Jesus will always be the strong tower. He cannot deny himself. But it's our choice to make him our strong tower. And notice the verbiage that we can use. Jesus is my strong tower. Not was or is going to be, but presently. He is my strong tower. I run to him and I am safe. We can ask ourselves today as a community, where am I running? And we can encourage our hearts and pray that the Lord would cause us to run to him. So I ask you this, what can you do better, or what can you do today to help you better run to the tower tomorrow? What can you do today to better help you run to the tower of Jesus tomorrow? Build in accountability, build in confession, build in the way, make the way to the tower so known that it's your default. I got to retrain myself because my default is, again, run into my own wisdom and run into Gilmore Girls, right, for distraction. So I got to retrain myself to run to Jesus. Lord, help us to run to Jesus. Amen. Well, we've toured the tower. Are you going to buy it? You're going to pass this one up? I'll say this, there's no better offer than the Tower of Jesus. It's free, only because it's purchased in blood. Lord, we come to you. We thank you that you are our strong tower. And we ask for forgiveness for the times that we've ran to other things. Lord, train us, discipline us to run to you always. Lord, may the tower be a place of familiarity. Lord, may that tower experience with you also give us the desire for others and for people to come to you. Lord, thank you that you've allowed us to enter into the tower. Lord, help us now to point to the tower and lead others Lord, to the goodness that is inside a life with you. Father, you are righteous and you're good and you're holy. And we're so thankful that you're our king and our God. Shepherd us, Lord, today and forever until we see your face. I pray that we would be found faithful for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray and we say. Amen. 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 Oh, Amen. don't leave. Don't leave. That guy that just went out the door, don't leave. <clears throat> Here, I want to show you something about, don't leave, don't leave. One second. <clears throat> I want to show you something about how amazing our strong tower is. Watch this. <clears throat> and what God can do <laughs> through a life. Now, I would estimate, I talked about our family, but I would estimate between 25 to 40 kids from Little West Elizabeth, Calvary Chapel, South Pittsburgh, have been to On the Edge. Now, they're not all here today, but watch this. Stand up if you've ever gone to On the Edge in California. Wow. <laughs> Now do this. Stand up if you've ever been to Narraway. Oh. Now wait, 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 wait. Watch this. <clears throat> Stand up if you've ever had a kid go to On the Edge in California or Narraway in Pittsburgh. Keep standing. Everybody keep standing. <clears throat> now do this. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Do this. Uh, stand up if you've ever worked at a narrow way event, like you fed somebody or you were, uh, right, or you worked as a security guard or, wait a minute, stand up, Dennis's, you've cooked. <laughs> <laughs> you take... <laughs>
Stand up if you've ever prayed for narrow way. Hmm. Sweet. Wow. You <laughs> you believe that? What the Lord can do? How strong he is? Now, you know this is not the complete group. There are people who aren't here today that have participated. Uh, there are people who've moved on to college. So I just want you to see, A, who our strong tower is and what he can do, the impact he has. Look at this, just a little West Elizabeth. <laughs> and this came from Austria in a castle. That's where it started. A pastor named Rod Thompson brings it back to California raises up a bunch of kids in the Lord. He's one of them. He, he's not a kid anymore. <laughs> I know. And I'm then, like young. It's the coconut oil. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then, you know, other kids get the vision and bring it to Pittsburgh. And that's pretty amazing. That's awesome. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have one last worship song. It's powerful. And see... What's, listen, what the Lord can do through one life. In Jesus' name, amen.